The Ozone. Welcome to The Ozone Podcast, presented by ViStar Credit Union, featuring Jaguar senior writer John Hosier and executive producer Dave DeCandis. I'm looking forward to this interview today. It's with a player that I think people are starting to get to know around the Jaguars. It's a young guy who has a lot to say, has led an interesting life. He's one of the more interesting off-field young players on the Jaguars. Uh, I think by now people probably have a sense that I'm talking about Jaguars right tackle, Juwan Taylor. Juwan, first of all, thanks for doing this. I know during the season this is a busy time, and uh, to take this time, we really appreciate it. I want to ask you first, uh, we'll get into a lot of different things today, but I want to ask you first, on the field, through five games, how do you feel like uh, Jawan Taylor, I'll go to the third person there, how do you feel like Jawan Taylor is playing this year? Uh, so far, I feel like I'm playing pretty well. Um, I definitely, definitely want to keep um, progressing throughout the season, getting better, being more consistent with my play, uh, protecting my quarterback better. Um, different things like that. I'm just improving on, trying to keep improving on and listening to what Coach Warhop tells me and locking in every day and practice on different things I need to get better on. So I've been, you know, just, you know, keying in on those things when I go to practice and making sure I'm getting ready for Sunday. So right now I'm just in the process of doing that. But so far I feel like I'm playing pretty well, but I'm definitely trying to get better. I haven't talked to you about this, and, and I'm curious. It kind of steps back a little bit, and we're going to move forward more than anything. Tell me about your rookie year and – how tough it is for an offensive lineman in the NFL to adjust. What was the biggest thing that you took away, and what was the toughest thing about that year? Uh, first off, just coming in and having to learn the actual NFL-style offense and actually, you know, locking into that. Uh, that was pretty tough at first. Um, but then after I learned that, it was just transitioning from the game speed is a little different from college to the pros, and then, you know, um, going against great players every single day. Like, I came in going against, like, Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell and Josh Allen, different guys like that every day. So um, that definitely made me better and had me prepared for, you know, my first game in the in NFL. So, uh, you know, just doing that, just the transition to that was hard itself. But um, other than that, um, everything else was good. You know, we're playing the game we love, and, you know, we come in every day in the building. You just come in with a great attitude and a, and a great mindset. And just, you know, you got you to gotta be willing to learn every single day being a rookie. Um, you know, just be quiet in the back of the meeting room and yeah. ask the questions. We need to ask questions and, uh, you know, listen to your, your veterans because last year I had all veterans next to me, and I was the youngest on the O-line and in the O-line room. So just soaking up everything, Brandon and Cam and, and all those guys were telling me, AJ, and, and you know, that, that helped me out a lot. So um, that, that helped me get th- through my rookie year for sure. Now, the reason I ask you that is I think something maybe fans would never realize, but I noticed early this offseason. From it seemed like the first week and a half after this season ended, I saw you in the building. You mm-hmm. were already back. You were already lifting. You were already working toward this season. This was pre-COVID. But not every first-year guy going into the second year is back like that. Does that say anything about who you are, your approach? It struck me that you really were ready to get started as soon as this thing ended last year. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, I always had that work ethic and that hunger and that drive to want to be better and uh, be the best that I can be. And most definitely just always being available for my team, um, being healthy. And, and I knew different things I needed to improve on for my rookie year going into this year. So, 
um, I wanted to take a little what, week week long break and get right back to it. Um, Cause you know, I'm young and different things like that. I could just come <laughs> right back into it and, and get right back in the groove of things. So um, it, it wasn't no problem for me. Um, I talked to the strength coaches and, and different things like that. And, and they put together a good plan for me before the, the virus hit. And um, you know, after the virus hit, of course we had to all go home and quarantine and different things like that. But um, they definitely, they definitely were working me hard when I first got back. So um, I had to just lock into it and, and try to get better. So let me get this straight. You're young enough that after a 16-game NFL season, you're ready to start working out a week later. Oh, definitely. Um, and it's crazy because I felt so great throughout the season. Um, you know, thank God I just I just was healthy all year. I played every single snap. Um, so it was good, man. I had a great routine of taking care of my body. So it, it was crazy. I felt fresh all year. Um, so even when the CE season ended, I felt like I didn't even play 16 games. I felt like I did game one. I had a little few dings and bruises, but it wasn't nothing crazy. So um, it, it definitely, it was so easy. And plus, I'm only 22 years old. Then I was 21. So um, just jumping back into it wasn't that hard for me. Yeah, John, let me give you a hint. When you're 54, <laughs> sitting behind the keyboard all season, I needed two months of it. So that's what's coming even if you're not right. in the NFL. So congratulations on that. Um, tell me about George Warhop. And I know you haven't had a different NFL line coach, mm. but we don't know him that well. He doesn't talk publicly a whole lot. Uh, it seems like he's helped you a lot. Uh, amazing coach, amazing person as well, uh, you know, on the field, off the field. Um, and, and he's a guy that you could talk to outside of the building. You know, he's, he's just like a, a great mentor as well. So, um, you know, I, I knew Coach Warhop just going back all the way into the draft process and, you know, meeting with him and different things like that. I did a private workout here before getting drafted here. And, and I just loved how he was and how, good, how great of a guy he was. So, um, you know, he's all about work ethic and, and straining and finishing and, you know, just being, being the best that you could be and playing at your, at, at your highest level. So, um, the thing is, he's one of those guys that try to push you to your absolute limit every single day because he wants to see you be great. So um, I, I appreciate him for that, uh, the, you know, the most because it, it makes me who I am. So um, every single day, you know, I just try to lock in on what he's telling me and what he's teaching me because I know, you know, he's coached some of the best. Um, he's been in his league coaching for over 20, 20 seasons now. So, you know, all that, all that you know, knowledge that he has, I'm, I'm just trying to soak it in. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, though. I've got to talk about this fish here in a second because we all saw it on social media. I know you've been asked about it. But one final football question before we move on. The offensive line, there was so much talk all offseason. People wrote it that there's going to have to be change this offseason. And if there wasn't, it was going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. But they brought this whole group back. And so far through five games, I would make the argument that the offensive line is the best unit on the team. You don't have to say that. But mm-hmm. um, what – how much confidence did you guys have coming into it and how much has continuity helped your group? Uh, it's, it's just, you know, we came in confident just knowing uh, our ability. That's the main thing. And, you know, we, we knew we had talent. We knew we had everything we needed. And, uh, you know, just another year with Coach Warhop and another camp just put it all together. Um, we all practiced hard in, um, in all season and, you know, we grinded hard and worked out hard and we, you know, we just always talk. We're very close and, you know, tight knit. So, um, you know, we talk outside of the building, hang out outside of the building, different things like that when we can. Um, but, you know, it's just, that's just how it is, man. We, we just locked into it and, and invested our time into it. So I feel like that's what's making us better. Big guy, obviously. Have you always been a football guy? Is this something that you knew from early on you wanted to do? Oh, definitely. I've been, I was saying I wanted to play in the NFL at four years old. So, and okay. I, started playing, I started playing football at four years old. So I've been playing football for 19 years now. So football became – came before the drums. 
Oh, yeah, football came before Jones. Jones came at six. Football came at four. Okay. Yeah. Now, I haven't had a chance to talk to you one-on-one like this. The drums. Mm-hmm. How much time did you spend as a kid learning the drums? Was this a big part of your life? It sounds like it was. Oh, definitely. Because uh, my grandmother was a pastor. Uh, you know, my grandmother passed away in 2010, but she yeah. was a pastor of the church that me and my you know, family grew up in. And um, even my parents, all, it's just a generational type of church. So, and it's like a, a family oriented church. So, um, you know, she was a pastor of the church and my brother was on the music. My dad was also on the music. So um, it's crazy because my brother is multi-talented, so he could play a lot of different instruments. So um, when he started to try and learn different instruments, that's when I started picking up the sticks and trying to learn how to play the drums. So, I mean, it didn't really take long. It was kind of self-taught, really. Um, just learning how to keep a beat, keep a tempo. And just over the years, it just I got better and better at it. Now, how did the parents feel about drum practice? Were they cool with that? Oh, <laughs> uh, they hated it, man. Um, I remember <laughs> one Christmas they bought me and my brother a drum set to share. And, uh, oh. you know, we, we put it in my brother's room at, at first, so um, it was crazy. They'll come home from work, and we banging out on the set. And, uh, you know, you could hear it down the street. They could hear it down the road, and they'll come in like, hey, that's enough, that's enough, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of hard playing in, in the house. That's why I didn't even bring one up here because I live in a condo here, so I can't bring a set up here. But, you know, it, it, it was fun, though. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've got a kid four houses down. He practices in the garage. He's, yep. <laughs> he's not popular, John. That's uh, – um, <laughs> The fish. Right. This is not something that a normal fisherman could catch, right? I mean, you've got to right. be pretty experienced to catch it. Tell me about how much you fish. Is this something you really love doing? And then tell me about that fish. Uh, fishing all my life. That's the first thing. Uh, I've been fishing since I can remember. Um, always had a passion for it. Um, I remember just as a little kid, like, if we were, you know, me and my dad or me and my granddad say we were about to go fishing the next morning, and let's say the weather was bad, I was the type to get mad because we can't go anymore. You know, like, I was just always passionate about fishing. So um, that was always a thing by me. I could, my, my dad used to love it, so um, it kind of drove me to love it. And then we could sit on the water all day long fishing, like, from sun up to sundown, just the passion we had for it. So just over the years, getting better at that. And um, now, you know, I do a lot of charters, especially in the off-season. I did a, a lot of charters. And um, just so happened this year, I went on that show, uh, Black Tip H. It's like a real popular fishing show on YouTube. Right. So um, me and my agent, we kind of set up the trip to go together. And, um, you know, we went out to Jupiter, Florida. We was originally out there to catch snook that day. It was like a snook fishing uh, show. And uh, we caught a bunch of big snook that day. And then, like, once the snook bite died down, they were like, hey, you want to go catch a Goliath grouper? I was like, whoa, like that wasn't in the schedule, but let's do it. You know, like I'm not turning that down. So, um, you know, a grouper is a tough fish anyway, right? Right, right yeah. definitely. It was, it was a fish of a lifetime. So we went out there um, like a mile off the beach. We're only at 40 feet of water um, right over a wreck. So um, we just dropped the beneath. Well, it was like a circle of life type of fish. So we had to catch all the bait before we dropped the uh, bait down to catch the, the Goliath. So uh, we caught um, these little small like um, bait fish. I think they're called greenbacks or something like that. And um, we used that with a sabiki rig. And then after that, we had to use that to catch a bonita. So after the bonita, we used, we cooked the bonita onto the big pole and dropped it down about middle way, midway through the water column, about 20 feet down. And it wasn't even like three minutes. You could see the goliaths coming up to it. And uh, it was like a big school of goliaths, about eight goliaths under the boat, probably about three bull sharks under the boat. It was all type of different fish under the boat. And um, it was a bunch of boats around us fishing on that same wreck. So people start recording when they see me about to catch the fish. And that's when I started recording the video that I posted. So it was it was crazy, man. And when it came up, I couldn't believe it. I never seen one in person. So it really was it was a fish of a lifetime, man. So even for you, an experienced fisherman, 
that was a big deal. That was oh, definitely, big. definitely. That was a fish of lifetime. I I never caught nothing bigger than that. Um, it was four hundred pounds. So, uh, I hooked in the sharks before, but nowhere near that big. Yeah, you won't catch that many fish that weigh more than you, right? No, never. <laughs> no. So, so tell me, I know you're a young guy, but I kind of picture you when football is done, you're 50 years old. Right. You're playing drums and catching fish. I mean, that's, that's what you're going to be. <laughs> that's about it, playing drums, catching fish, maybe traveling a little bit. That's, that's about it. I'm, I'm very simple. We'll uh, wrap up here in a couple of questions, but I want to ask you, pretty much every answer you've had today, or a lot of them, have talked about your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, strikes me, you know, well, one of my questions is going to be what your biggest influence is, but it sounds like you wouldn't be who you are without your family. It sounds like they've been a huge influence. Oh, definitely. Uh, especially my parents, my older brother, my older sister, um, my uncle Marlon, he's my mentor um, and my trainer since I've been in seventh grade. So, uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very family oriented. Um, even in the off season, every chance I had to get to go home, I was home. So almost every weekend I was going back home to spend time with my family because, you know, during the season we don't get that opportunity. Um, plus, they, I have such a great support system. Uh, my parents have been married for 26 years, and they come to every game home in a way, you know, before the virus situation. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's been crazy, man. And, you know, without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at. So um, they took me to every camp that I needed to go to. Anything that had to do with football, they did that, you know, take off work, whatever it took. You know, my dad would work 12, 14 hours and then drive, get, take me on the road to drive me to Georgia or wherever I needed to go for a camp the next morning. So um, they were just as dedicated as I was to, uh, you know, be successful as well for my brother and his success. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at without them. Gotcha. The draft. Right. When you fell from the first to the second round, mm. is that over for you or will that always kind of drive you? Is that a thing or do we make too much out of it? Uh, it definitely drives me. Um, you know, I never forget about that day or that moment. Of course, I'm always, you know, blessed and, and, and happy to be where I'm at and, you know, to be have this opportunity to play for Jacksonville. Um, but, yeah, it, it definitely drives me and pushes me every day to let me know that, you know, keep working, never get complacent, um, you know, just stay hungry. So that's what I do. That's how I try to carry myself. When people now, and pretty much since he got here, the anytime you talk to anybody in the organization, anybody nationally, they look at you and say, this is a guy who can be in Pro Bowls. This right. is a guy who can have a, a huge career. Right. Uh, when you hear that, is that motivation? Is that something that you feel like you can live up to? Definitely. Um, that's what I'm trying to get myself to now. I want to be the best to play this game. That's one of my goals. So I just want to be one of the best to play. So uh, I just try to, you know, push myself to get better. Um, you know, just lock in on what my coaches tell me to do. And, and, I, and I just try to get better every day, you know, um, I'm nowhere near where I want to be at yet, but I definitely want to be a pro bowler, all pro. It's, it's a lot of different things I want to do in this league. The last thing we do is uh, what we call the Ozone Five. I just ask you five quick questions. You can answer as short as long as you want. Okay. Juwan Taylor, your last binge watch. Hmm. I watched the show on YouTube. Um, it's called Live PD. It's like a police show. I sure. love that show. Yeah, I've been watching that show a lot. It's pretty funny, too. The last song in either your iPhone or your car that you listen to? Mm, probably uh, Hot Boy, Don't Need Time, uh, featuring Lil Baby. It's a new song that just came out. I got you. Yeah. It's mine, too, Juwan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best drummer and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. It's either Calvin Rogers or Eric Moore for me. Uh, 
And why? Because, you know, they're just some of the best. Like, if you just watch their, their videos on YouTube, they're some of the most electrifying uh, players, you know, to play the drums in the, in the whole world. So, um, Sticks Taylor is another good player. Um, he's another amazing player. If you watch any of those three guys, you know, you'll be very, very amazed. Um, and they play for some of the best artists in the world, too. So, those three, very, very good drummers. If you hadn't played football, what would your sport have been? Ooh, we um, football always been the sport I was so passionate about. But uh, the only other sports I tried growing up was basketball for two years, and I tried track for one year, and I was throwing shot put. So probably basketball, but I definitely have to lose some weight for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is the final question: Your biggest influence? My family, my parents, mainly my parents for sure. Juwan Taylor, thanks for being in the Ozone Podcast. Get back to work. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. All right. I appreciate you. And as I say every week, uh, these guys during the season, their schedule from you know 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. is uh, pretty tight. So when they're willing to give us 10, 15 minutes for for my drivel, it's always appreciated. And uh, Dave, I thought uh, Juwan Taylor, I've you know because of COVID, with the young players in their first or second year, there's a good chance that I've talked to him some but not a whole lot face-to-face. And I'll admit, I, I don't have as good a feel for some of these young guys as some of the young players in the past. But I had been around Juwan a little bit to expect him to be really good in this environment with these questions. And uh, he was great. I, as I've said for a couple of months now, DJ Chark, Juwan Taylor, and Josh Allen, to me, are the future of this team. They're the guys that you want on and off the field. I'm not going to make this podcast about DJ or, J- or Josh, but Jawan's the kind of guy that you want around the franchise for a long time. It is funny. Kind of uh, training camp is when you, you kind of learn some of these guys and the way training camp was this year, you can spend as much time. But, uh, yeah, Jawan, sure. I thought – I think the most interesting part about that is uh, kind of how his family kind of related uh, a lot of uh, parts of his life and part of – and his career too. Just uh, – Seemed like his family was super important to him from fishing to playing the drums to kind of being into football and, and everything. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And, you know, Juwan always seems a good guy, always kind of says hello, always has time for you. And uh, like you, I didn't know a ton. I haven't had a ton of interaction with him. Um, we had him mic'd up for the last game of the year last year, and he was fun. So that was kind of our uh, my uh, introduction to him um, on a more personal level. And, uh, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was a good interview. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that I respect and don't like, and I don't like him for this reason, Dave. He, he's 22, and he's better at three things than I am at anything. And I resent that a little bit. But, I mean, seriously, if you think about it, he went deep into fishing, deep into drums, deep into football. This is a guy who in uh, 22 years has, has accomplished a great deal, and it just shows you that, Unlike me, who sits around the house all the time, if you actually get out and do something, you can learn some things in life. And he, and I'm joking, but he certainly is, is a well-rounded uh, kid who it's clear from talking to him what a great influence his family. He talks about, you know, spending all day fishing with his dad. It, 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 it's cool when you like your family and like spending time around them and that that's what your life's about. And it, it's clear to me that's what that's the case with him. But I thought the most interesting football thing was something I wanted to bring up early, and I did. I can recall right after the season, and all of us in 
in digital take a couple of days off, and then a lot of us kind of stream back in along with the players. Most times in January or February, because players don't have to be there, you might see the occasional veteran around if they're just 30-year-old married guy who is into a routine. You would see Paz all the time when he played here because he was the guy who was going to have his routine. You would see guys – you don't usually see young players back in the building on January 15th. And I don't know the exact date, but Jawan was one of the first guys back way before OTAs were going to start. I mean, all that got nixed with COVID. But way before you usually see players back, he was back. You'd see him eating lunch with Milo. You'd see him up in the break room. That says something to me. He didn't go deep into it, but that says something to me about the kids want to and drive. Uh, if he's not great, it's not going to be because he didn't work for it. Yeah, the guys you usually see come back early were the guys who were a little banged up during the year, yeah. and he came back to get better. I um, say you'll sometimes see vets do that. You, you'll see guys who, once they've been in the league five or six years, they realize, okay, my routine's got to start now. But most rookies are, you know, they're booking flights. They're ready to get out. They're ready to go wherever it is they go. And uh, Juwan just, I think he's a guy who has some pretty simple outside life. And his whole focus right now is I want to be a great football player and I'm going to be back in the building and see what I can do to get there. And I, I wasn't going to get him to say this, but he's playing at a pretty high level. He's improved a great deal from his rookie year. And everything you hear is that he's on track to be exactly what they thought he was going to be. One story I remember is back in, I guess it was 2012 or 13. Uh, it was Jonathan Cyprian, a former safety. And uh, after his rookie year, I just remember him. So there's like a last open locker room period before everybody goes away for the year where you can interview. And basically like all the reporters are interviewing people to let it last for like a month almost. So they're, everybody gets interviewed. Right. And Jonathan Cyprian, so there's a lot of commotion, people packing up. There's a lot of stuff going on in the locker room. And Jonathan Cyprian was laying in his locker with his feet on his chair sleeping because he was worn out from the season. Like, yeah. just because when you're a rookie, think of it this way. I mean, you go from your, your college football season, which starts in September, all the way through that. Then you pick up and you are getting ready for the combine. You go through the workouts, go through the combine. Oh, you get two weeks off, and then you're at a rookie minicamp. And then you're, you're an NFL player. And just for him to still, like, felt fresh at the end of the season is a pretty big compliment to him. He strikes me as that guy you were friends with in high school. He was good at everything. Yeah, those guys weren't friends with me. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. But, uh, yeah, a remarkable guy. And I'll say it again. I know I'm a broken record on it. But guys like Josh Allen, DJ Chark, and Jawan Taylor – uh, for fans who look at the Jaguars right now and wonder where it's headed, uh, these guys are guys that you want around here on the field and off. And the off-field quality of these guys, and I feel pretty strongly that all three, all three of these guys are quality guys and others, but they stand out to me. Uh, on these fronts, there's a lot to build around around here, and Jawan Taylor's one of those guys. So... On that note, Dave, I will thank Joe Fortunato as I do every week for making me sound better than I am. I thank you for being here, for putting up with me as always. That was this week's Ozone Podcast. I thought Jawan Taylor was great. Certainly didn't suck. We'll look forward to talking to you guys next week.